0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first quarter 2009 Hewlett-Packard Earnings Conference Call. My name is Fab and I'll be a coordinator for today. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. We will conduct a question and answer session towards the end of this conference. If at any time during the call you require assistance, please press star followed by zero and a coordinator will be happy to assist you. I would now like to turn the presentation over to your host for today's call, Mr. Jim Burns, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please proceed.
1: Well, thanks, Bob. And good afternoon, and welcome to our first quarter earnings conference call with Chairman and CEO Mark Hurd and CFO Kathy Lesjack. This call is being webcast live, and a replay of the webcast will be available shortly after the call for approximately one year. Some information provided in this forward looking statements that are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties and actual future results may vary materially. Please refer to the risks described in HP's SEC reports, including our Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended October 31, 2008. The financial information discussed in connection with this call, including tax related items, reflects estimates based on information available at this time and could differ materially from the amounts ultimately reported in HP's Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter, and of January 31st, 2009. Earnings, operating margins, and similar items at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and have been adjusted to exclude certain items including amortization of purchase intangibles and restructuring charges. The comparable GAAP financial information and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the tables in the first quarter earnings slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release, both of which are available on HP's investor relations webpage. Before I turn over to Mark, I just wanted to briefly touch upon a financial reporting item. Each year as part of our first quarter annual financial review, we review our reported segments and make changes to reflect any organizational shifts among our businesses. This year, we have moved the revenue and operating profit associated with portions of our former CNI business from the services segment into software and ITG. In addition, we have moved certain pursuit-related costs previously reported in cost of sales to SG&A to better align them to the functional areas they support. This realignment of cost does not impact segment reporting and relates only to the line item within the P&L in which the costs are booked. A detailed reconciliation of the changes, including historical data, is available on our Investor Relations website as well as furnished on a Form 8-K filed with the SEC. I want to be very clear that the changes do not impact HP's previously reported consolidated net revenue, earnings from operations, net earnings, or EPS. This is just part of the annual fine-tuning of our financial reporting structure to better align it with how we manage the business. I'll now turn the call over to Mark with a final reminder to please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications during the Q&A.
2: Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. In Q1 HP uh, executed well in a challenging market. We grew revenue 1% or 4% in local currency, gained share in key markets, and grew non-GAAP EPS 8%. HP is continuing to benefit from its market-leading portfolio and leaner cost structure. This quarter we effectively balanced expense management with share performance and delivered on our commitments to our customers and our shareholders. I'm particularly pleased with the results of our services segment, which attained record profits of more than $1 billion in quarter. Big deal. We now have a second segment with significant recurring revenues generating over a billion dollars per quarter of profit and with solid room for margin expansion. The EDS integration is ahead of the operational plans we shared with you in September. At the end of Q1, we have removed more than 9,000 of the 24,700 headcount outlined in our restructuring plan. Customer response to the acquisition remains very positive, resulting in a couple of Fortune 100 wins this quarter and a strong deal funnel. Now, before I turn it over to Kathy to talk about the financials, I wanted to highlight a couple reasons, actually three of them, that I'm confident why HP will emerge from the current market environment as a stronger force in the industry. First, our cost structure. It's reduced, it's more variable, it's more performance oriented, and we have more opportunities ahead of us. We now have more flexibility to be more competitive, and with the actions we're taking, we will be yet more competitive in the marketplace. In addition, as we have done this work, we have not cut into our muscle. We have been able to focus on our sales, r and d and services strategies, to further strengthen our capabilities in the marketplace. Second, our portfolio. As most of you know, our portfolio was already strong, number one or two in virtually every market we serve. The scale we've attained relative to those positions in the market and the addition of EDS has been a strong addition to our portfolio from a customer perspective. It is a significant improvement in the impact our overall portfolio has in the market. The customer reception has been strong.
3: Great, I would
2: add our execution. We gained share in almost all of our key segments while we lowered and variabilized our cost at the same time while integrating EDS in an environment of volatile currency and worsening and toughening demand. And in many ways, I would tell you Q1 from an execution perspective was among the strongest we delivered. I'm going to now turn the call over to Kathy. Thanks, Mark,
3: and good afternoon, everyone. Before I dive into the details of the Q1 performance, let me make a few comments about the business overall. Services and software delivered solid operating profit growth in the quarter with services contributing over one-third of the company's profits. Services continues to execute effectively, maintaining customer service, and achieving this EDS integration milestone. We saw pressure on our hardware businesses due to the slowing global economy. We reacted well in this tough market, outpacing the competition and gaining share in most segments. Operationally, we did a good job managing costs with operating expenses down over half a billion dollars from the prior year. We will be taking additional steps this quarter to further variableize our cost structure and enhance our flexibility in this dynamic environment. We remain focused on optimizing our profitability, market share, and cash flow so that we can continue to drive innovation and strengthen customer relationships to expand our market leadership. Turning to our Q1 results. Revenue was up 1% year-over-year as reported, or up 4% in constant currency, reflecting a full quarter impact of the EDS acquisition. Looking at revenue by geography. Including the addition of EDS, America's revenue increased 11% year-over-year, EMEA was down 3%, and Asia Pacific decreased 11%. Excluding the effects of currency, revenue was up 13% in America, 1% in EMEA, and down 9% in Asia-Pacific. While there were pockets of organic growth, the slowdown in IT spending was global. Gross margins for the company were 23.4%, down 130 basis points from 24.7% one year ago. This decrease was driven primarily by the addition of EDS, which has lower gross margins. Non-GAAP operating expenses for the quarter were $3.6 billion, down $569 million, or 14% from a year ago, despite absorbing EDF. In addition to benefiting from the stronger dollar, this decline highlights the work we've been doing over the last few years to make our cost structure leaner and more flexible. During the quarter, we took a number of actions to reduce expenses, including extending the December holiday shutdown, significantly reducing travel and eliminating other discretionary spending. We will continue to take actions to create a more variable cost structure, including reducing base pay and certain benefits across the company beginning in Q2. Consistent with our philosophy for pay for performance, we intend to increase variable pay in total if HP meets its FY09 financial objective. These actions will increase the company's flexibility to more effectively scale our expenses to our revenues in this difficult environment. Non-GAAP operating profit increased 10% year-over-year to $3.1 billion, driven by strong expense management and solid contributions from services and software. On the bottom line, this was offset by the unfavorable swing in OINE of $304 million, which included $99 million in expenses due to currency hedging losses related to forecast deviations. All in all, we delivered solid non-GAAP earnings per share of 93 cents. Now moving on to the details of our performance by business. Personal systems business revenue declined 19% year on year to $8.8 billion while delivering operating profit of $435 million or 5% of revenue. Total unit shipments declined 4% from a year ago with notebook unit growth of 8% offset by desktop systems declines of 15%. Average selling prices declined more steeply this quarter due to product mix, competitive pressures, and passing through of the lower commodity costs in the form of pricing. CSG continues to execute well in this softening demand environment. We responded quickly by managing inventory and preserving margins while gaining share. Imaging and printing revenue for Q1 was $6 billion, down 19% year-on-year due to a tough economic environment. Segment operating margin increased 300 basis points to 18.5% as favorable supplies mix and cost reductions were partially offset by hardware discounting. Compared to first quarter last year, total printer units were down 33%, and commercial and consumer hardware revenue declined 34% and 37%, respectively. Supplies revenue declined 7% as lower end user demand more than offset the benefit of recent supplies price increases. Customers are extending the life of their printers and our installed base remains stable. We maintain strong market position in printing and will continue to invest in market leading innovation, focus on high page value segments and drive the conversion to digital printing. Enterprise storage and servers revenue was $3.9 billion, down 18% year over year with declines across each of our business units. Operating margin was down 3.7 points to 10.3%, driven by lower volumes and an unfavorable mix shift to lower margin products. ESS blade revenue increased 4% compared to the prior year period. Storage revenue declined 7%, driven primarily by unfavorable currency exchange rates and market conditions. EVA was down 7% with growth in the Americas offset by declines in EMEA and Asia Pacific. Turning to our server businesses, business critical systems revenue declined 17% and industry standard server revenue declined 22% from the prior year even as we gained almost three points of share in the x86 market in calendar Q4. Our results reflect the current market environment, and in particular, the slowing we saw in January as customers re-evaluated their spending and delayed purchases of equipment. HP Software revenue declined 7% from the prior year to $878 million due to softening enterprise spending as the quarter progressed. BTO was down 4% from the prior year, and other software declined 14%. Support performance was solid across the portfolio, reflecting strong maintenance renewals and the sustained business value of our solutions. For the quarter, software operating margins increased 10.7 points to 15.9% due to a favorable mix and solid expense management. Services, including the addition of EDS, delivered revenue of $8.7 billion. On a year-on-year basis, operating profit in the quarter more than doubled to $1.1 billion, or 12.8% of revenue, reflecting our sustained efforts in reducing the cost of service delivery, as well as the addition of EDS. Drilling down into the services businesses, we will now report sub-segment revenue performance by four business units. For Q1, revenue was $3.9 billion in IT outsourcing, $2.5 billion in technology services, $1.6 billion in application services, and $743 million in BPO. The EDS integration is ahead of schedule. We have made significant progress combining the business units and are on track with our country-level merger plan. Simulatively through Q1, we have eliminated over 9,000 positions and are on plan to achieve the cost synergies we outlined in September. Customers are responding positively. Our total pipeline is growing, and we have already seen the benefit of our joint capabilities in wins this quarter, including significant signings at two Fortune 100 companies. And finally, HP Financial Services had revenue of $636 million, down 1% year-over-year, and generated operating margin of 6.4%. We continue to apply the same rigorous process for assessing the creditworthiness of our customers and the quality of our receivables, and the overall portfolio is performing well. We are encouraged with the growth in our financing volume despite a currency headwind. Now onto the balance sheet and cash management. we closed the quarter with a strong balance sheet, including total gross cash of $11.3 billion. Day sales outstanding increased to 46 days in Q1 from 39 days one year ago. Days payable was 46 days down one day year-on-year, on year, while owned inventory was down two days to 31 days. With regards to channel inventory, we ended the quarter with TSG up half a week, ESS up a week, and IPG up one and a half weeks compared to a year ago. The increases in weeks of inventory were primarily due to weaker aggregate sales out compared to a year ago. Sequentially total channel inventory dollars declined. We expect further reductions in inventory levels as we adjust to a softer demand environment. Growth CapEx was $828 million, up 36% from the prior year period. On a net basis, CapEx was $676 million, up 29% year over year. Increased capital expenditures were primarily related to the growth in our leasing and outsourced services businesses, including EDS. Cash flow from operations was $1.1 billion for the quarter, and free cash flow was $450 million. P1 cash flow was unfavorably impacted by the softening economy. ESF and PSG responded quickly to the change in demand, while IPG inventory levels remained above plan. We will be working to bring down both our own and our channel inventory in the coming quarters. Share repurchases in the first quarter totaled $1.2 billion or approximately 34 million shares. At the end of the quarter we had roughly $7.9 billion remaining in the current share repurchase authorization. Finally, we paid our normal quarterly dividend totaling $193 million. Now looking ahead to our outlook for Q2 and fiscal 2009. In providing our guidance for the second quarter and the full year, we are assuming market conditions we saw in Q1 will persist. In addition, we expect the currency exchange rates will have a negative effect on revenue of seven or eight percentage points year over year for both the second quarter and the full year. Finally, we expect OI and E expense of approximately five cents per quarter, a tax rate of approximately 21 percent, and a modest decline in weighted added shares outstanding. With that in mind, our second-quarter EPS guidance is based on Q2 revenue declining 2 to 3 percent from the prior year, including EDS. At these revenue levels, we expect our non-GAAP EPS to be approximately 84 to 86 cents. For the full year, our EPS guidance is based on the assumption that our revenue may be down 2 to 5 percent as reported, including the benefit of EDS. At these revenue levels, we project 2009 non-GAAP EPS of approximately $3.76 to $3.88. While we don't know how the economy will evolve, assuming that our revenue is roughly within the ranges I've described, we remain confident in our ability to forecast EPS given our line of sight to significant cost-saving opportunities and our increasingly variable cost structure and our track record of disciplined execution. With that, we'll open up the call for questions.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please key star 1 on your touchstone telephone. If your question has been answered or you want to withdraw your question, please key star 2. Questions will be taken in the order received. Please press star 1 to begin. And your first question will come from a line of Katie Huberty from Morgan Stanley.
3: Good afternoon. Thanks. Uh, Mark, the rate of deceleration in BRIC countries was particularly alarming. Can you just talk about whether you did anything on the financing front or with channel inventories that exaggerated the downtick and maybe just touch on whether you've seen a stabilization in demand in areas like China where there are some uh, government rebates going into place?
2: A lot of questions there. So. No. We didn't do anything to accelerate just acceleration. that will tell you that what we've seen is variable. Sort of remarkably consistent. There are a couple of exceptions. Brazil was, was an exception. Uh, in the border, but the rest of the
4: countries behave
2: uh, pretty uniformly. I would say in China, to your point, we feel tail that's a little different. Uh, we see a little, um, uh, more I uh, use the term negativity and our softness enterprise. So your point about some of the things that are done in China, we do see some of those impacts. uh we really did did, did nothing to uh, accelerate that Russia was a particular issue in the uh, in the war. Uh, and I think you know, those are the bell chronicles and certainly saw that
4: in Russia as you well. Know, Great. Thanks.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Richard Gardner with Group.
1: Thanks. Uh, the question
2: is is on EDS. Uh, you talked about cost synergies related to the deal being ahead of plan, but can you talk about uh, co- revenue dis- synergies and how that's trending versus your expectations? Um, it, it, it did look like revenue for EDS
4: uh, was much lower than we had expected in the quarter, given a, given a full quarter
0: benefit there. Thanks.
3: If you actually look at DES on a combined company basis, kind of getting them in the base um, for last year and, and also this year for the quarter, revenue declined um, roughly 15%. Um, about half of that drop was due to currency. Um, so they have a significant exposure, or we have a significant exposure to the British pound. Um, where EDS was strong in the UK, and so it was, we were definitely hurt by that. There was also a a few points of headwind related to the accounting policy and convergence um, and purchase accounting, and that was probably slightly behind what we had anticipated, and then we had the rest was basically um, real, I would say real demand decline, and that was predominantly in the area of application services where there are more discretionary. Um, services that we sell.
2: Yeah, Rich. I would say to Kathy's point, I would I would tell you the revenue issues there relative to local currency, no no sort of big deal. I mean, what you got was uh, the pound didn't go in line obviously with the euro, and so the currency hit was was material. That's where it starts. That's a big part of it. And then the the uh, the convergence on policy. The place where we saw a little softness was the typical add-on business that you'd see on top of a contract that Kathy's pulling, and that was probably the the only softness we saw in the quarter. Otherwise, if you looked at it net-of-net, net, roughly what we expected, was. And if, oh, I,
3: right. if I were to quantify that, it's a few points of the 15% decline was uh, was the, the add-on.
2: Okay,
4: but you're happy with customer retention there.
2: Oh, Well, So, listen, let me go back and give it to you another way, Rich. I would tell you... We have seen a customer reaction that probably is, uh, I'll make sure I keep this calibrated, but it, it's just better than we expected. And the funnel is strong, and, you know, in many cases, the, the services market moves a, a little bit counter-cyclical to the economy. So the interest now in, in an IT outsourcing or an app services, I would also combine that to be, to be open with you. What happened with some of the companies, or, or with Satyam, for example, as creative interest as well. And so we, we have a pretty strong funnel right now. What we really have to, to do, Rich, is make sure, again, we're very disciplined about the deals that we go pursue. There are more deals than, than you know, than we need to make sure we're, we're, we're properly doing the right thing and going after the deals with discipline. The funnel is strong. The customer reception is strong. And to Kathy's point, I think what we said earlier, we've, we've gotten ahead of the integration plan, which is a positive. But we have more work to do and we know that. We feel real good about it, though. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Richard.
0: Your next question will come from a line of Ben Reitz with Barclays Capital.
4: Yeah, um, good afternoon. Uh, Mark, I, if I'm calculating this right quickly, your revenue outlook for the year, you, you guys have kind of cut off, taken the midpoints, roughly $13 billion in revenue versus what you said three months ago, but only cut EPS your EPS range by about $0.12. Cents. Um, could you kind of bridge the gap for us? I mean, what what um, are you – you, you said you had a billion dollars before you bring to the bottom line. Can you talk about how quickly that's hitting and then anything in particular segments that, you know, you feel you're getting more efficiencies to give us confidence that, you, know, you can hit this new range?
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, I, Ben, I, I think, um, you know, you saw – how the model worked if you just do your math, uh, your same math in Q1, uh, relative to that math on revenue to to what it dropped in earnings. And, you know, I I think it's a good question, particularly, let's say, for example, PSG. Um, uh, You know, I hope what investors see in this quarter is the resiliency of the PSG model and the variability of, of that expense structure. And and I'd add to it, they had another headwind in the quarter, which was the speed. The currency impact in a a, a normal world doesn't really have a huge impact on the results of PSG. But when the speed of the currency declines, like what we saw in October and November, it, it can have an impact on the margin as you try to adjust price. And uh, the PSG model is, I think, proven now to be extremely resilient. So the variabilization of that cost structure is extremely material to us, not just in terms of earnings, Ben, but in terms of our ability to compete and the ability it gives us in the marketplace as we go out and deal with what we have to go through. From a services perspective, I think, you know, hopefully what you've seen in, in, in this quarter is evidence. When you look at the combination of an EDS, whos. Prior year was in the five and, and change operating uh, margin range combined with technology services and the fact that the combined businesses produce 12.8% operating profit, showing the kind of leverage that we have in our services business and now the incline and recurring revenue that we have within it. So I, I could go on segment by segment, but I'll give you those couple pieces of color. In addition to that, as, as we mentioned in the last call, we're taking out more costs in 2009 than we were in previous years, and that has not been, again, a one-trick quarter thing. This is the culmination of several years of work, and as you know well, I'm not a big believer in short-term cost takeouts that only have to put back, you know, two quarters from now. And I want to be clear, there is a little bit of that in what Kathy described in the discretionary piece of some expenses like travel that sooner or later you add back into your model. But the bulk of what we're telling you is structural uh, cost that's sustainable in our cost model. So, uh, you know, we're not big on throwing out a bunch of earnings guidance that we don't think we can make. So I think in the range that Kathy described of revenue, of the range of earnings that we told you, we, we believe we can make then. And the
3: di- discretionary cost actions that we took in, um, in Q1 actually have a build as you go out um, into Q2, Q2, Q3, and Q4, they actually get larger on a year-on-year compare. So, so we have that cushion as well.
4: But to clarify, the number of cost out is over a billion now, based on all these things you're doing.
2: Definitely. And 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 Ben, let me just because I, and you just happen to be the guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on it just for a second. Um, yeah, I want to make sure we're clear. This we are not taking down the number of engineers we have in R&D. We actually, this quarter, I think headcount in actual engineering headcount is up. Sales headcount, we're not trying to purposely take down unless we have a performance issue uh, related to sales headcount or we're shifting people from a back-end part of sales to a front-end tip of the spear part of sales. We're trying to incline and improve our level of service. So I don't want any of that cost being confused with some material part of the innovation, the creation of demand, and the servicing of demand. We're actually not only trying to reduce that cost, but shift into what we think are the core parts of the technology business. And you know, that's what we're doing. Thanks a
4: lot. Thanks, Ben. Let's take the next question.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Tony Succonaughey with Stanford Bernstein.
4: Uh, yes, thank you. I wanted to follow up on your commentary about supplies. Um, if we look at supplies growth over the last three quarters prior to this one, it had been nine to eleven percent. This quarter it was minus seven, so about a sixteen to eighteen percent swing negatively, and yet you should have begun to enjoy two five percent supplies price increases. Um so if your installed basis is the same and the usage is Ultimately, what's changed, are you really seeing about a 20% change in supplies usage in one quarter? Is that effectively what you're seeing, or is there other stuff behind it?
3: So, Tony, I think your, your math is roughly right. I mean, there's lots of puts and takes in terms of what goes into um, what's driving the decline in supplies. Um, we've certainly had a benefit of pricing, and we'll have that benefit in Q2 to Q4 as well, and in fact, an increasing benefit. But the the bottom line is, folks, the end user demand for supplies is down. And we actually expect with the change in channel inventories that we want to make in Q2, and that's included in our guidance already. But with that change, that um, supplies growth will go yet even more negative than 7% um, in Q2 and Q3. So we do think there are significant headwinds still ahead of us on supplies growth and that that won't turn around until the economy starts to rebound. And at that point in time, we do believe we get back to a, uh, a market that's gonna grow in the kind of mid single digits, but we do need the economy to start to turn around so that folks uh, start printing more and frankly start stocking their pantry again because we do think there's a certain amount of that going on in the consumer's homes as well.
2: Yeah, I think Tony, we, we do a lot of work on this as you know, and I, I you know, there's definitely an alignment between or at least some alignment between GDP and, and unemployment and printing. So when you get down at the end of the day, you know, when you don't have a job, you're not printing as much. It's typically how it works. And we've got a pretty set of sophisticated models. But there also is these other issues that Kathy described. We're trying to get the inventories in the right place. And, and you know, with the speed of the Kathy, what she mentioned in her script, we've got some work to do. Um, you know, the price increased, your point is a positive, but... You know, to be very blunt with you, I'm not entirely happy with how the inventory got distributed within the context of the quarter, meaning that we have the right thing at the right place at the right time. And uh, we've got some work to do uh, on, on that part of it. So some of it, Tony, if the external factors that Kathy went through, we've got some internal stuff to just, to just get right too as we get back to this uh, uh, sort of range that Kathy described.
4: Can you just comment on aggregate supplies inventory then in dollar and weeks terms? Have they changed in the quarter? I know you had made some comments about printing overall in your prepared remarks. Could you make any comments on supplies, given that it sounds like that's an issue you're going to be working on? Thank you.
3: So um, channel inventory weeks were up year on year across both hardware and supplies. Um, You know, we definitely saw channel dollars decrease Um, sequentially, but what you're really seeing with the weeks of supply, and it it applies to hardware as well as to the supply piece, is a significant decline in sales out in Q1. So typically we would see an uptick in sales out from Q4 to Q1. This time we saw a double-digit decline, And, and part of the, frankly, the execution challenges that I think we had, especially in EMEA, are from the fact that we did not respond quickly enough with our channel inventories um, to the demand environment that uh, was upon us in Q1. And that's a piece of the execution that we absolutely are focused on getting fixed in uh, in Q2.
2: And, and Tony, to add to it, I mean, you know, what we've made the decision that we're – the the revenue guidance we're giving you is because we, we just don't want to bank on the fact that that the economy is going to get better. I mean, we just don't see a catalyst to change it. So we've chosen to say we want to get our channel inventory levels in line with that. And to Kathy's point, most of our businesses got that done in, in Q1. So that's that's a good thing. But we want to get it done in supplies as well. Now, listen, I hope it gets better in Q2 than, than, than we're modeling. I hope it's better in Q3. I hope it's better in Q4. But that's not how we've decided to run the company. Um, we decided to be prudent, and we're deciding to lean out the channel um, and, and make sure we're 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 in a lean position as we we go forward. So that's included in these in these uh, models that we're giving you. And and listen, I I guess in this context, I'd say uh, I I hope it turns out better than what 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 we're telling you. But right now, we think it's prudent for us to go to go lean out the lean out the channel.
1: Thank Let's you. take the next question, please.
0: The next question will come from a line of Bill Scholz with Credit Suisse.
2: Okay, great. Thanks, uh, Mark. I wanted to follow up on that IPG question. I mean, how should we, you know, given the environment and given the the follow up in consumables, how should we think about the margin profile here as we progress through 2009? I mean, it, it looks like this quarter. Uh, you certainly had a boost in margins, uh, partially from, from weaker hardware performance, uh, but I'm assuming you don't want that type of a margin boost to per- persist, so you don't want hardware to continue to deteriorate. So,
4: I mean, how does the math play out here, and how should we think about that?
2: Good question. I, I think, listen, I think your point this quarter is, in, in, our, in our models that we've, we've included in the guidance we've given you, it, it's probably a small softening of IPG margins as part of of, of how you go through the year, but still probably given the way this economy plays out a little higher than 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 our traditional models give you. So, you know, I, I hate to give you an exact number because we're going to try to be nimble in the context that if we see more units in a certain segment, we're going to try and, and, and go get them. So we we maintain that flexibility in the model. But I would tell you, given what we're seeing right now and given what we've modeled, it'll be it'll be a little bit higher than what you see in the past. Now in fairness, Bill, they're also benefiting from some of the lower-cost structures across the whole company. So it isn't it isn't just purely IPG, but 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 the bulk of it is, a, I, I'd say, Bill, modeling just a little higher than what you've seen in the past, given the mix that we're seeing right now.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Brian Alexander with Raymond James. Thanks,
1: Mark. I was just wondering if you could be a little more
2: specific in terms of how far ahead of plan you are in integrating EDS at the analyst that you talked about,
1: 700 million gross savings. What does that number look like now no. for, for this year, next year and beyond?
2: So, Brian, I, my, my quick answer would be no. So, you know, I'm not going to lay out uh, the plan any more than, than than we have, uh, but to tell you that, that the team's done a good job. And I think we, you know, at, uh, you know, in May, I was, exci- I was excited when we announced it in September. I was very pleased with the work to be done. I tell you today, I'm thrilled with the work. And, um, but we have more to do. I mean, you know, certainly we've given ranges that would take us five to six quarters to get much of this work done. I still think, Brian, we'll be doing work five to six quarters from now to get the entire model where we'd like to. I do think it will probably operate a little faster than we planned when we look at it against the total, meaning it's a percent of the total, but, but we a going to work to do as we go, as we go out over the next uh, next several quarters, but but we are ahead of schedule.
1: And just maybe just a quick follow-up, Kathy, the uh, payables
4: were down about a billion and a half, so it had a pretty large negative impact on the cash flow in the quarter, just uh, a little bit more color and what's behind that and how we should think about that going forward.
3: So, Brian, I actually think the, the issue isn't the payables. The payables came down the way you would expect the payables to come down given um, the revenue declines that we saw. What, what really was the negative impact on cash flow was that inventory didn't come down the way it needed to come down. And this gets back to the execution issue that, and challenges that we're having with, uh, in the IPG business. Again, we need to we need to get that inventory down. We did a good job in PSG and ESS, and we've got work to do to fix that in uh, Q2 and Q3 for IPG. But that is really what the issue is with uh, with the declining cash flow. Payables came down as you would have expected them to.
4: Thank you.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research.
3: Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, a question on cash flow, Kathy, just to follow up to Brian. Um, for 2009, how should we think about, you know, cash flow given, you know, the reduced guidance on um, the opportunities on working capital, and also how do you sort of see the capital structure of the company
1: as you, you look through the year? Thank you.
3: When I think about the I cash, conver- cash ver- I'm sorry, am I blah- mm-hmm. Anyway, when I think about the cash conversion <laughs> cycle, um, I, I really go back to what I said in Q4 when I was asked about the cash conversion cycle. I'm sorry, Shannon, I, I think you need to close your your
2: your line or something. Um, we got a lot of feedback here.
3: I apologize. I'm actually out of the country. Um, just in terms of cash flow for 2009, how do you think about that?
1: So um, I, 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 I. yeah. can you please mute uh, uh, the question? In we're getting a lot of feedback.
0: Okay, you so, uh, can proceed.
3: Thank you. Shannon, in terms of uh, kind of the cash conversion cycle for 09, if you uh, remember, I talked in the, at the Q4 earnings call about the fact that I still thought there was opportunity, and I gave you some puts and takes on that. I said that basically DSO was a basic headwind, and we're seeing that happen. I mean, you saw our DSO um, basically come up this quarter again, and it's a headwind of more enterprise extended um, payment term type customer business. Um, you know, folks not taking advantage of the cash discounts in the channel. But that's all basically what we built into our plan, to be frank. And then where the opportunity is, is on days of inventory. And I'm talking about opportunity beyond getting just the, uh, the, the IPG inventory fixed um, over the next couple of quarters. I think there's still opportunity there um, to really streamline um, our supply chain, especially in the IPG space. And then also with respect to payables, I also see that there's still some opportunity there. We are getting much better at managing our payables, but we have, not, we have not done all of the things that we can do, and we're in the process of implementing them. So I do think that from a working capital perspective, it, uh, things are going to continue to progress in 2009. Um, and then you can look at uh, what our earnings are based on the guidance that we provided to kind of get a sense of where the cash flow should come out in, uh, in 2009.
2: Yeah, we think overall we'll have a good cash flow year. I think I think one thing, Shannon, uh, and it probably relates better to Brian's question earlier. One, one thing that hit us on the cash flow was we bought early in the quarter from a um, days of inventory perspective, and we didn't buy late. So to to Kathy's point, uh, PSG obviously was going towards a, a number and then didn't, uh, and, and to say realign their days of inventory. So much of that cash flow comes back, you know, uh, o- over time. So. Uh, we would see a, a pretty reasonable cash flow year. Again, it starts with earnings, to, to Kathy's point. We're, we'll get the days of inventory, and when you look at the broader year, uh, given that the that, that, that conditions stay similar to Q1, which would be red one, I hope they're better, but if they stay similar to Q1, we'll get the days of inventory uh, right as uh, as we go.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Keith Batman with Bank of Montreal.
4: Hi, thanks. Mark, I was hoping you could just talk a little bit about the services uh, operating margin. I know you didn't want to talk about the cost associated with or the opportunities there for cost relief, but I wanted to see if if, um, you could talk a little bit about the services uh, operating margins, how we should be thinking about that going forward, particularly against uh, the next couple of weeks seasonal periods. And then Kathy, I just wanted to see if I could add a footnote um, to the previous question on cash flow, if I could. In that this quarter your buyback was substantially above your fee, free cash flow, and just how do you think about the the, the use or the the free cash flow that you'll generate during the course of the year, buyback versus debt relief? Thanks,
2: uh, Keith. I'll start. Uh, so thanks for the question. Uh, we think services margins will improve. So I think that's probably uh, not the level of detail you're looking for, but but I would tell you that you know we've gotten. Deep into this now, as you can imagine, we started really getting you know inside our models in, uh, in in September, sort of late August as we closed the transaction with EDS. We obviously know a lot more uh, uh, some four uh, five months later. I would also add this is the culmination of a lot of work in what we call our technology services business as well, which is more of our, of our of our hardware support business, which we did a lot of work on in 2008. So it's really the culmination of all that work in what we call TS and this integration of EDS combined. And I would tell you that while we're pleased, I'm sure, you know, optically the 12.8 looks looks very strong, I know it does. Uh, we actually think there's improvement uh, in, 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 in that operating margin over time because of the work that we've done that, let me say, we've already done that we know will will line up with, with the remainder of, of, of this year and into the next year.
0: Okay.
3: In, in terms of free cash flow um, and share repurchase, the way we actually think about our share repurchase program is we look at first offsetting zero dilution um, and then being opportunistic. And definitely have seen the cost of zero dilution coming down, and that's why you see the, the share repurchases coming down a bit as well. Um, we, we haven't really tied it directly to you know I'm only going to spend whatever the free cash flow is in a particular quarter. And we look at even when we do look at kind of the free cash flow, we look at it over a, a longer time frame. Um, and so that's that's really what drives our, our uh, share repurchase activity.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Mark Maskewitz with J.P. Morgan.
2: Thank you. Good afternoon. A uh, question, Mark or Kathy, uh, on the defensibility of your recurring revenues, you seem, you seem very constructive about the services contribution. I want to see if you can first just talk about the services contributions or recurring revenues, and are, are you starting to see customers try to rescope or, or change the economics or the time horizons of your recurring piece there? And then what what about the other parts outside of services in terms of recurring revenues, how how defensible? Mark, I was just trying to make sure I got your first right right. Did you say extensibility? No, defensibility. Extensibility. Oh. oh. Sorry about that. Okay, okay. Um, You know, listen, I mean, in terms of the market right now, uh, you know, most of that services revenue is contracted. So when you say change scope, no. In fact, if anything, what you've got in the market right now is customers trying to, you know, I'm making a generalization mark, so I'm not talking for every single customer. But more customers are trying to add things on. So what customers would be doing saying, instead of just doing this, could you do this? And of course, customers are always looking for three things every time you get into a service transaction. They want to know, how can you lower my cost? How can you can accelerate my transformation? And how can you give me higher service levels? And those three things always trade off with each other any time you go at a, at, a, at a services transaction. So customers right now are leaning harder on the cost takeout piece than perhaps they would have a year and a half ago. So that actually gets a bit of an incline in your funnel as you, as, as you look at it.
3: And then with respect to uh, recurring revenue, when we said last quarter that uh, roughly a third of our um, revenue was recurring and it generated over half the profits of the company. What we did was we actually didn't add, just take services and add in supplies and add in HB Financial Services. We actually scrubbed those numbers because if you actually add up those revenues in each of those segments, you would get something on the order of 40-odd percent recurring. What we did was we scrubbed them, and specifically with respect to services and um, consumables on the IPG side of the house, is that we basically looked at how they have acted in the past recession and, and kind of scaled them back and came up with that one-third. So I actually feel very comfortable that the one-third is or, you know, roughly one-third is uh, very defensible.
4: Thank you.
0: Your next question will come from a line of Bill Farnley with FTN Equity Capital.
4: Yeah, good afternoon. Mark, I had a question for you. When you look at PSG, um, how do you look at the whole netbook segment now um, when you look at the um, the average selling price? Is it being cannibalized? Is the, uh, are the netbooks cannibalizing your mainstream notebook business? How is it affecting ASPs and margins this quarter? And then how do you think it's going to affect you here uh, in the next few quarters?
2: Well, Bill, you know, it's, it's um, an interesting question. I mean, I've, I've seen in print from people who um, claim expertise that 80% of netbooks is net new, no pun intended, and 20% is a cannibalization of the low end of the notebook market. Uh, we'll have to see o- over time how that, how that, how that evolves. I, I say this, we, we, we feel pretty good about our lineup of netbooks, and it is, um, it's done well for us uh, in what we've done so far. Now, we're just out. So just out being defined as the last several months. So I think we've got some some time before I can really give you a good metric and good consumer data back on uh, on where this lands. So I, I I hate to sort of duck your question, but I'd like to have a bit more data before I just uh, before I give you anything. And I hate to recite to you what 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 industry people are saying because I'm not giving you any new insight.
4: But you had hinted to average selling price declines in PCs then, so it's sharp declines. In your traditional products, on the on the uh, no uh, so the I wouldn't side. go there,
2: Bill. So I wouldn't go there, Bill, because I think you've got different factors occurring when you look at the overall ASP of PSG, ASPs in the marketplace. You have a mix issue even within the mix. So what's really seen is not a move to notebooks that's cannibalizing, certainly in this quarter of results. What you have is somebody who was buying a more. Um, more uh, thickly configured notebook now buying a more thinly configured notebook, and we're seeing mixes within the mix actually changing, and that's what's driving most of the ASP, not a shift down to netbook. So I, now let me give you that that date I give you within the context of, of, of our quarter. So that is not a significant there's no significant phenomena of ASPs in the HP lineup caused by netbooks.
3: The, the other items that are affecting uh, ASPs on a year-to-year basis are current, currency um, as well as just general pricing. So the commodity environment, commodity prices have come down, and, and that is getting taken in, this, in the prices down to the street. And that wasn't happening as much a year ago where some of the, com- the softness in the commodity cost environment was actually uh, basically being um, stayed in our pockets and didn't go to the street.
2: But, but again, Bill, when we say pricing, I want to make sure I'm clear with this, that, that we're not seeing any abnormal competitor pricing environment. This is more of a, uh, of a mix within, within the product family and the commodities now uh, adjusting as we've gone through time. So again, it, I know I'm giving you a complicated answer, because there's a lot of data here. But, but it is not a netbook phenomena driving those ASPs. It's, it's more the mix within the mix. Um, that's, that's really behind this bill.
4: Thanks for the detail.
2: Sure.
0: Your next question will come from the line of Doug Reed with Thomas Weisle Partners.
4: Uh, thanks for taking my question. Just wondering if you could comment on the, uh, on the uh, degradation in operating margin in the ESS segment uh, year over year. Looks like it's down 370 basis points. I wonder if you could uh, get some color on the, on, the, on the breakout there, competitive pricing, product mix, and, uh, and maybe currency impact.
3: Uh, so so the, the margins were were down mostly because of on a year-on-year basis, mostly because of uh, competitive pricing environment. Um, it was again, if you look at at last year, we had a situation where the commodity pricing environment was just not as as uh, um, competitive. So you were able to keep a lot of the commodity pricing, the commodity cost declines, and maintain your uh, prices this year. We're passing way more of that through to, uh, to the customer. And we also have a change in mix um, where, again, like PCs, it's moving, more customers are moving to a lower end, less configured, less, um, less um, business-critical systems uh, mix, that type of thing that drives the uh, margins down as well.
2: We saw a lot of movements, Doug, in the quarter from people buying a 2P industry standard server now buying a 1P. Uh, somebody buying a less configured blade. So to Kathy's point, very similar phenomena you see in PSG. And so again, when you look at the margin of the actual product that was being sold and compared it to the margin of the exact same product a quarter ago, you did not see a material erosion in that margin. What you see is a shift of what's being sold within the overall portfolio of revenue. Shifting to the to, to the lower end, and so these are all things that you know we're you know we've taken into consideration in the in the models that we've given you. That you actually see people that are trying to buy, um, actually trying to buy as little as they can buy in the context of getting what they need to get get done. So um, you know that's what we saw. I would also tell you that in the take industry standard servers that Kathy described, um, you know we gained I don't two and a half points a share. I think in the in the quarter, um, and to be very frank, we weren't pushing hard on the on the street price. Um, so, you know, I, I think you've got uh, an environment that really is demand driven, and it's demand driving a different mix that, that's having an impact.
4: And then
3: we we did have a bit of an offset to that in the fact that we did manage our expenses very well and did get operating leverage. Expenses were actually down. Year-on-year, year, more than revenue was down, so uh, we had, did a good job on that side as well, trying to offset some of the margin pressure.
2: Yeah, I think that too, and I'll, I'll leave since we just got on this one. And, um, I think ESS probably is going to go out gaining share in virtually every segment they compete, and um, they, they did a pretty good job in the quarter. Maybe not quite as quick as PSG got its inventory and its channel inventory lined up, but they were, they were running a close, a close second with them. So they came off getting their expense structure lined up, uh, gaining share. Um, it, it wasn't for us operationally a bad quarter in ESS at all.
0: Thank you. Why don't we
1: take that? Two more questions, please.
0: Your next question will come from a line of Jason Noland with Robert Baird.
4: Thanks. Just a question on the uh, hardware refresh delays, Mark. If you could talk about. Um, Visibility uh, that that you're given from from customers do they just say it's indefinite? do they say it's going to be a few quarters you know just generally across PC server and print?
2: Well, I mean I could tell you lots of long stories uh, about what they tell you, but I'll give you a data point. Um, you know I think it was a question earlier about recurring revenues. you know one of the data points we saw early in the uh, in the quarter was the uh, the uh, with the, right, with the renewal rate. In technology services, and that being our, our hardware support business, and the renewal rates were very high. So, that and, and we have we service the material, obviously, part of the HP base, and we actually uh, service third party uh, hardware uh, as well. So, I, I think you've got a lot of companies saying, I'm going to hang on to my install base longer. Now, they can only do that for so long, but I, I think you've got a couple of factors going on right now new projects uh, are are being scrutinized very, very uh, hard for ROI and short-term ROI. Second, people are taking their existing base and telling the IT department or the CIO, can't you just do without a refresh a month longer, or two months longer, or three months longer, and they will continue to do that until the TCO makes sense. Now, at some point, this will create a big refresh opportunity, and, and obviously, we want to be in a position to to, to capture that. But this second Jason, I can't give you a date. I can't give you a specific metric on when this thing is going to turn. It will turn, and we hope to be in a position to garner a uh,
4: a material piece of it. Makes sense. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Your final question will come from a line of Scott Craig with Bank of America.
4: Yeah, thanks. Good afternoon. Just on the inventory side, Mark, you spent a lot of time talking about the IPT group there. Um, the issues, But, you know, both ESS and PCs were up a week and half a week, respectively. So when you think about sort of a normal range of channel inventories for those two groups, where are we there? Are we towards the higher end? Are we at the mid-end, low-end? If you brought a little color there, it would be appreciated. Thanks.
3: So um, with respect to PSG channel inventory, the year-on-year compare, year, we are up a week. But last year, we were at the very low end of our range. And so, uh, we feel good about the PSG channel inventory. We're not, there are no concerns on the PSC channel inventory. It's, it's up only a half a week. Um, ESS um, being up a week, it, it's near the, the top of the range. Um, and so, we would like to bring that down and we're, we've got that factored into kind of the operational plan for um, Q2 as well as in our guidance.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll get all the, the, all the channel inventory stuff, we'll get, we'll get nailed. And, um, and that's all mail, uh, that's all within the guidance that uh, um, that we that we've given you
4: okay thank you thanks
0: That does conclude today's question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call back over to Mr. Mark Hurd for closing comments.
1: Sure, um
2: listen, I appreciate all your time on the call. I think we had solid performance in a tough market. uh we gained share in most segments well. Delivering margins and driving our cost structure, uh, we think into a more advantaged division, both lowering it and variabilizing it. Uh, We're ahead of plan on the EES integration, and our service business is delivered as planned. Uh, Our strategic moves and operational execution, we think division services is a significant player in our overall portfolio. As in terms of the market, we've modeled the market to get really no better for the rest of the year. Uh, We view it, what we saw in Q1 is roughly uh, what we what we'll see for the rest of the year. Uh, we see the opportunity here for us to uh, put the company in a better position, to level the strength of our model, expand our penetration in the market, and accelerate our, our cost actions. I want you to be confident in our ability to execute and deliver the EPS guidance within the revenue ranges that, that we've spelled out. The questions I think that you brought up about cash flow, cash flow will come back as we execute on the uh, uh, the uh, Uh, capital uh, metrics that we've we've set in place. We have baked in basically all the factors we've we've described, including the supplies factor that we've described earlier into the models that we've given you. So we're going to get about the job of executing, and uh, we'll talk to you at the end of Q2. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your participation in today's conference. This concludes the presentation. You may now disconnect. Have a wonderful day.